Welcome to Laugh at the Odds podcast with Heidi and Dave. We are here to laugh at the odds and live our lives so well that death will tremble to take us. Named after this Charles Bukowski quote on the meaning of life, Laugh at the Odds is a he said, she said podcast about surviving the loss of a spouse or partner through the lens of a young interracial widowed couple. Welcome to the introductory episode of Laugh at the Odds. In this episode, Dave and I will be talking to you about who we are, what our podcast is about, and why we decided to create this podcast. We'll also discuss why we decided to launch on Valentine's Day. We received so many questions from you, our listeners, and we'll do our best to answer them truthfully within this 30-minute episode. talk about us let's start with you Heidi ladies first of course okay my name is Heidi as you all know I'm a straight cis woman and a widow my pronouns are she her and hers I was born and raised in Manila Philippines my family immigrated to the U.S. when I was in my early teens I'm very passionate about a lot of things that includes travel photography writing and constant learning I'm basically a perennial student. My late husband, Arnell, and I met in 2000. He was living in San Francisco at the time, came to Brooklyn. We were both writing for the same Filipino-American web magazine, so we all met up, the whole staff, and the rest is history. I was 26 then, we got married when I was 30, so basically I was a bride at 30, and two or three days later, after our 10th wedding anniversary, he died. So I was a bride at 30 and a widow at 40. About eight months after Arnold passed, I decided to adopt my baby, Ziggy. He's now a senior mini schnauzer. And about a year and a half ago, I also adopted Zena, also a mini schnauzer. Heidi, tell us, what are some of the things that you've done since Arnold passed that you're most proud of? Thank you for asking, Dave. There's lots of things that I'm proud of. (laughs) (laughs) So every year... Since Arnold's passing, I set one goal for myself. I don't remember all of them, but the ones that I do remember are within the first year, I learned to fly a plane. A few months after he passed, you know, I was going through his things and I found a certificate for a flight course. I had purchased it for him for one of his birthdays and he never got to take it. So I decided to take it. I mean, I was terrified because I have a fear of heights and it was one of the things that I wanted to do to challenge myself so I did that so I could face my fear of heights and I did it and then the following year I went to the Himalayas I went to Bhutan and I went hiking there we went to a Buddhist monastery that was built on the side of a mountain in the Himalayas in the 7th century and it was physically and mentally challenging for me because I'm not the most fit person so that was a good challenge for me You've done some pretty amazing things. So let's rewind a little bit. What are some of your favorite memories with Arnell? There's a few. There's one that I can't talk about publicly. <laughs> but I told you about it, Dave. You did. <laughs> it's hilarious. And it, it, it's one memory that always sticks out in my mind. But again, I can't speak about it publicly. There's another one that I talked to you about recently. And it was basically the first time I 
visited him in San Francisco. So he took me to Napa for the day. You know, we had a picnic up there. And then in the afternoon, we decided to go to Daly City. He was living in Berkeley, California at the time. But he took me to Daly City in his childhood home. And we visited his maternal grandmother. I met Mama that day. It was my first day in San Francisco, and I had no idea I was meeting his grandmother. And she was probably in her late 70s or maybe early 80s at the time, and she was still very lucid, very intelligent woman, very sharp. After that meeting is when I realized he was serious about me because, you know, he introduced me to his grandmother. yeah. Yeah, and I figured he was the one. That's awesome. All right, over to you, Dave. Tell our listeners something or a few things about yourself. Yeah, so I grew up in Rockland County, New York. I uh, lived there my entire life, about 25 years, which I went to Syracuse University, upstate New York. After I came back from college, I moved into Manhattan, I lived in the city for about six years. Eventually, you know, I was always working in New Jersey, so I ended up moving back in New Jersey. And I lived in Burton County for about five years, and then finally found a house in Morris County, and that's where I am today. Been here for about eight years. I'd say one of my biggest passions is sports. I'm a diehard Yankees fan for life. My dad was born and raised in the Bronx, so pretty much stuck a Yankee cap on my head from the moment I uh, got out of the womb. I had no choice, but I've loved the Yankees forever. Went to World Series games, and I've had so many amazing memories watching the Yankees and, and seeing them live, and obviously they're one of the greatest franchises ever, but we won't get into that. Uh, huge New York Giants football fan as well. I also play baseball. I've been playing ball since I was a kid. Stopped after high school, picked it back up in an adult league, and I've been playing for about 15 years. Shout out to my boys, the Teaneck Yankees. I'm a big skier. I love skiing. I've been skiing since I was seven years old. I consider myself pretty much an expert. There's not a trail I'm scared of. Definitely looking forward to playing baseball in the spring. You want to say a few things about Bianca? Of course. So Bianca is my late partner. We actually met in high school. She was a sophomore. I was a senior. She was actually from the Bronx, moved to Rockland County. Right before my senior year, we we were friends. Never really got much further than that, although I did get into a uh, fight in the hallway of my high school, and she actually broke up the fight. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty funny story. So That's I always, awesome. I always, always remembered her for that. You know, she, I, I was getting double teamed, and uh, she jumped in and, and screamed at the guys and, and helped me out and scraped me up off the floor, <laughs> so to speak. I held my own, but you know. Yay, Bianca. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So, you know, we, we lost touch after I left high school. We didn't talk for 15 years. And then we reunited on social media. She was living in Ohio at the time. I was in New Jersey. We made a connection, became more than friendly. And about six months later, she moved to New Jersey. That was in 2010. So we were together for seven years. In 2014, we had our son, Benji. We also bought our house together in late 2013 and passed away in 2017 when Benji was three. Speaking of Benji, that's obviously the also the, the highlight of my life and the main focus of my life. He is almost seven years old, as I've mentioned in our, our trailer. Quite sardonic, but very, very intelligent. He's a, he's a real pistol, but he's a sweetheart. I, I love him to pieces. And uh, shout out to Benji. What's up, buddy? <laughs> our six-year-old... Going on 70. Yeah, the curmudgeon, as we call him. (laughs) (laughs) What are some of the things that you've done that you're most proud of since Bianca passed? Wow. Well, I'd have to say on a big level, nothing nothing quite like what you've done, but I'm, I'm proud of what I've done regardless. I'm so proud of myself being that I've been able to multitask, focusing on a very fast-paced and demanding full-time job, taking care of my son as a solo parent, and taking care of my household by myself. Not just getting by, but thriving. I have to say, I'm, I'll pat myself on the back for that one. I've learned how to cook. I was never a cook. Bianca pretty much cooked every meal. She loved cooking. It took me a little while. I was doing the basic meals and whatnot for a few years, but I would say during the pandemic, really, 
really, especially in the beginning, is when I really got myself invested in it. I had some time and I was able to really learn how to make some meals. And I, I think uh, Heidi can attest that I'm, I'm doing okay with it. I'm oh, certainly yeah. not, a, not a chef by any means, but I can definitely definitely hold down the fort and make a few good few good meals. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself for that. Never really thought I had it in me. But yeah, just all that, trying to maintain a social life at the same time, very challenging. But, you know, I think that I've taken on a lot of hats and I'm, I'm, I'm kicking butt and taking names and I'm proud of myself for that. And you should be. I don't think you should be downplaying the fact that you've been such an amazing dad and mom to Benji all these years. You said earlier that what you've accomplished is less compared to what I've done, but not at all. I think being a parent is the hardest job and the most important thing that somebody can do being a good parent, especially now as a solo parent. Yeah, you're. I know you're right. And I appreciate that. I think that yours just has the pizzazz. Like, I went to Iceland and I went to Bhutan and I learned how to fly a plane. I'm like, yeah, I took care of my house and I was a dad. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. That definitely being a solo parent, I never ever in my wildest dreams thought I would be able to do that. You know, I became a, a parent late in my life, 38 years old. Bianca already had two children, so she was super mom. I just kind of tailed around and tried to learn what I could. So it wasn't like we were two newbie parents. It was, you know, experienced parent and me newbie parent. So taking the reins by myself at age three was a, a very daunting task. But How old I, were you then? I was, I was, when she passed away, I was 41. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I just stepped up to the plate because I, I didn't want him to lose anything. I just have to say one of the things I love about you is the fact that you're such an amazing dad. It's one of the reasons why I fell in love with you. you thank you. <laughs> so talk to me about some of your most favorite memories of Bianca. Sure. Well, the number one memory, obviously, is the pregnancy and childbirth. Definitely some trying times during the pregnancy. She had health issues even back then, but we made it through the actual, obviously, you know, I don't have to explain to anybody who's a parent out there, you know, what it's like, the magic of uh, seeing and holding your child for the first time and experiencing that with your partner uh, is uh, unforgettable. So that that's the big one. But, you know, certainly... I think our, our first meetup, you know, going backtracking a little bit, you know, when we, she was in Ohio and we had a little get together at a place called Deer Creek in Ohio, I drove about seven hours, she drove about two hours and we, we spent the weekend together and really connected and, and, you know, solidified what we had thought we had going over the phone for a couple months. Uh, and it was, it was absolutely perfect. Buying our house together was an amazing moment. My first house, her first house, really amazing. You know, as, as someone put it to me, it's really amazing thinking that you, you own a piece of the earth, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. So, and, and doing that together with her was awesome. And then we did have one one pizzazz trip, which was uh, when we went to Ireland together. You know, that's the first time I've ever been to Europe, and it was an amazing trip. Spent the week in Dublin and saw so much historical sites. Uh, obviously, there's so much more history in Europe than there is in America, so it was it was pretty mind-blowing seeing things that are thousands of years old and whatnot. I think those are some of the highlights of, of our time together. Okay, so those are the answers to the who question. Let's answer what. Okay, so let's talk about this podcast. What is this podcast about? Heidi, tell us. <laughs> I don't want to repeat what we said in the trailer. We know what it's about, but I guess we could expound on it. This is about the unique experiences, but also the universal themes in grief and widowhood, right? So as widows and widowers, you know, we have a common thread of this huge loss. And we do know, we acknowledge that everyone grieves differently. But there are universal themes in grief and widowhood, and that's what we want to highlight. This podcast is about our individual takes on different topics from the perspectives of, you know, of you and me, 
you know, we're a widow and a widower and we hail from different backgrounds. So obviously we're going to have different perspectives, different takes. So that's the he said, she said part. It's about the stories of the many multifaceted widows and widowers that we are going to be featuring in our show. This podcast is about community and essentially spreading the message of love, whether it's with friends or family or with a romantic partner. And it's also about hope, hope for the brokenhearted and the unfulfilled dreams that one day we want widows to know that you will breathe a little easier one day. You'll smile a little wider and you might even dream new dreams. Absolutely. I think I really go back to the stories of the of all the widows that we're going to have on the show. I can't wait for that. And I think that that's, that's going to give everybody hope when they see all these amazing people that we're going to have on the show and all the things that they do. And it's, it's going to be fun. Okay, Dave, next question. Why? Why did we decide to start this podcast? And why are we launching on Valentine's Day? Why? Because we wanted to create something innovative together to inspire, to educate, and course we wanted to leave something behind we also wanted to help and reach out to other widows and put the spotlight on some of these amazing widows that we've met on our journey and others we have yet to meet and we wanted to show other widows that they can still achieve their goals fulfill their dreams or make new ones we're launching on february 14th Because Valentine's is a huge trigger day for us widowed folks, right? We acknowledge how difficult it is. um, And just for myself personally, I remember how difficult this day was, you know, in the years, the immediate years following Arnell's passing. But let's set aside for a moment the gross commercialization of this day. We wanted to recognize that this day once was, or maybe it has once again become a celebration of love. And love comes in many forms, right? love that we share with our friends, our family, and for those of us who have taken the leap and opened our hearts, we want to celebrate our love for our significant other. Yes. For me personally, February 14th was and always will be a special day because it's my civil wedding anniversary with Arnell. So this show is our love letter to my late husband Arnell, to Dave's partner Bianca, and to our entire widowed community. For the past few weeks, we've been soliciting questions from our Facebook and Instagram followers, and we promised to respond to them in this episode. Dave, I think we can take turns asking the question, and then we can both respond. Yeah? Sounds like a plan. We received a total of 14 responses from both Facebook and Instagram, and thank you all in advance for doing this. All right, let's start with Facebook from Danielle R. What actually are the odds? Did you see other couples like you guys in the past? Is it common or super rare? I guess she meant like, you know, a widowed couple, both widowed. Right. Yeah, you can go first. What are the odds yeah, to well, you? Yeah, well, to me, the odds or and laughing at the odds is we, we were both and, and all of us widows were, you know, whatever terminology you want to use, we were punched in the gut, thrown on the floor, the worst possible thing that you could happen. And I think that any of us that have been able to stand up and shake the dust off and, and actually succeed, that's laughing at the odds. Because the odds were that we were going to be down and out, dealing with all the things in life that come with losing your partner, the secondary losses and so on. But you know, to get yourself up and still be successful in your endeavors, that's laughing at the odds. For me, the odds within the context of widowhood I guess in the larger context, it means the odds that we're going to get out of here alive, zero. We're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. So the odds that we're going to die um, is 
pretty high. It's 100%. It's one. Yeah, 100 um, emoji. Exactly. It's zero to one, pro- you know, probability, possibility. Anyway, um, and in the context of widowhood, for widowed people, it's actually very hard for us to take that leap, take a chance and open our hearts up again. Because there will always be this fear that the person that we fall in love with might pass before us, right? So the chances chances of us becoming widowed yet again is very high. So either you go or I go first or we go together. Yeah. Well, it's like anything else in life, right? You got you to gotta jump sometimes. You're, you're scared to take on a, a job, to go on a job interview. Well, what's the worst that can happen? If you don't go to the interview, you're never going to get hired. So you, you got to go for it. Yep. Right? Did you see other couples like you guys in the past? Is it common or super rare? I'll answer first, Mm -hmm. because I've actually been pretty active in the widowed community since pretty much Arnell passed. I always sought out widowed communities. When he first died, I just approached it intellectually. You know, I was reading articles. I was reading journals. I was reading tons of books. Of course you were. Of course I was. (laughs) (laughs) And I was seeking out connections, too. So I found all these different communities for which I'm very grateful. So... Yeah, it, it was actually pretty common to see couples, especially now, because you and I are in several you know, young widow groups, and we connect, just like widows and widowers connect, just yeah. like you and I did. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I'd have to say that I don't know any personally in our local group, but I... There was. Can I mention their names? John and Trish. But absolutely, in the, in the larger groups that I've been a part of, I have seen couples exactly like us, a widow and a widower who found each other and ended up being very happy. Some of them traveled long distance to make it work. Some of them are still doing long distance, but they seem to be a really happy couple and they've found each other and they have that thing in common where they they get it they get each other right and i think generally the internet and social media both have made it easier for us to yes to make these connections you know um, some people seek out other widowed people specifically for me it wasn't i actually kind of ran away from that i didn't want to date any widowers it's okay Next question from Melody on Facebook. I guess these questions are addressed to Dave. Okay. How do you keep Bianca's spirit alive with Benji? Well, wow. I absolutely keep Bianca's spirit alive with Benji. I talk about her all the time. We have pictures of her in his bedroom, pictures of her and him, and he has a heartstone that says love on it, and that basically embodies her. And every night before bed, we kiss mommy. He kisses her, he kisses the stone, and I kiss the stone. And then we go. he goes to sleep. And that's, I love that. We do that religiously every night. I uh, love that. I show him pictures of her, uh, videos of her. She ran a, a business uh, on, on social media, so she has some videos of her selling things. Not the most not the most exciting material, but it's still, it's her. It's her talking, it's her being personable, it's her laughing, and uh, that's all that matters. And I, I absolutely always tell him about her. I tell him about her personality and uh, what kind of mom she was because I saw her with her two older children as well as Benji, so I really saw her in action. It's, it's very important. We, we talk about her quite often. I think also one way that you keep Bianca's spirit alive is making sure that his relationship with his two siblings continue. And of course, his grandparents. Yes, absolutely. That's the biggest one. Absolutely. Okay, 
Dave, how do you explain to Benji who Arnell is? Well, that's easy. I just tell him who Arnell is. Which is? What do you tell him exactly? <laughs> well, he, you know, he, he's young, but he knows what happened to his mom because I've never hid that from him. From day one, I've told him that his mommy went to heaven and that she's watching over us and etc. So it's the same concept. And, and I tell him that what happened to me and you happened to Heidi too. She lost her person just the way that I lost mine. And he's not here anymore. He's in heaven. He gets it. That's a double-edged sword. It's good and bad that he gets it that at such a young age that he knows this. Yeah. But yeah, you're doing such a great job. Also, do you like schnauzers, Dave? Of course I like schnauzers. I love terriers. I had a Jack Russell terrier for 16 years. My firstborn baby, Quentin. I love little crazy terriers. So Ziggy and Zena are absolutely amazing. Ziggy, unfortunately, doesn't uh, get around the way he used to, but it's okay. He's still a sweetheart, and Zena's little feisty energy is uh, is amazing, and she's a beautiful dog, and I love them both. You're such a great data, too. Okay. Next question comes from Nancy P. on Facebook. Did you have an aha moment when you realized you were meant to be together? You could take this first. <laughs> Gentlemen first. Yes, absolutely. So I think this is a two-part question. The first aha moment was when one of your friends revealed to me that you had a, somewhat of a crush on me. For those who don't know, we knew each other as friends and through our local widow group for two years. And we we gotten pretty close. But I had no idea that she had any kind of interest in me. She, you know, is pretty strong and, and hides it well and also had her no widow rule, which she told me the first time I met. No widower. The first time, <laughs> yeah, no widower rule. She told me the first time we met, so I pretty much crossed her off the list there. And, uh, you know, she's, she's... You had a list? What? <laughs> she's such a, such a um, strong, take charge kind of lady, you know, running the widow group. And I, I maybe I was even a little bit intimidated. I didn't think that you were interested, so I, I didn't really give it any mind. But when this girl told me that you were interested, really got the gears going in my head. And I started thinking about you and, and all your great qualities. And it was like counting them on my fingers. She's got this and she's got this and this and this. She's an amazing lady and maybe I should think about this. This was right when the pandemic was starting. Unfortunately, we couldn't really do much about it, but I definitely started chatting with you a little more than I used to as far as texting and whatnot. And, and there was definitely some flirting going on and you eventually flirting revealed Flirting on me. your side, dude. I was not flirting yeah, okay. with you. We can go back and look at him. <laughs> I don't know how to flirt. <laughs> That's what you think. But you eventually revealed to me also that you had interest in me at one point. So that even further solidified it. So that was aha moment number one is when I really realized that and it made me start thinking about you in a different way. Number two was when we went out to eat under the guise of your starting a new job, but I had 100% interest in you at that point. And, And I'm saying this because the question is when you realized you were meant to be together. So just because I had interest in you, I didn't know where it was going to go. Right. But I think after that night, I don't know, something just really clicked with us. Obviously, we had our first kiss that night, but the kiss was amazing, and there was a lot of magic and sparks, but just the night in general was just awesome. It was an odd night, and we powered through what was kind of an awkward Some challenges amount of people. related to COVID. Uh, yeah, and, and really just kind of put blinders on and enjoyed our company. And after the kiss, you know, the jokes and stuff like that, and it was just, I, I knew that this was real and this was you know once we made the commitment that it was going to be for good I, I knew it already and I think you may have too but I'll let you speak to that <laughs> for me it was also the kiss I remember telling you the story of my first kiss with Arnell and the fact that how I felt about that kiss was also the same way I felt about our first kiss that was my aha moment yeah that's pretty short and to the point but that's that's it and and honestly 
you telling me that was almost another aha moment for me because I've known you for two years and I know how much you loved Arnell because you really hold him on a high pedestal. For you to make a comment like that when I knew your love for Arnell is so strong and so intense that for you to compare me to him at the stage in the game that we were at just blew me away. You know, when she, when you said that, I was just like, wow, this is this is really going down. I mean, it was a goosebumps moment, I guess. Next question comes from Melody. I think we got some questions from her earlier, too. Yes. Thanks, Mel. <laughs> What's your favorite grief coping mechanism? Which do you think is healthiest versus most indulgent? For example, humor, shopping, breaking things, traveling. I'll go first. My favorite grief coping mechanism. No offense, Dave. You know what it is. It's hugging my fur babies. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I can say that mine is spending time and hugging and cuddling with Benji. What's better than that? He's gotten me through all this. I don't know where I would be without him. He's been my constant source of happiness. I would say that's that's certainly healthy. Most indulgent grief coping mechanism? I'll answer. So if I'm engulfed by a huge grief wave, I just walk over and grab one of my puppies and I just hug them and almost instantly, especially before I met you, Dave, you know, before you and I entered this relationship, all I had were my dogs, literally. And I remember when I first got Ziggy and he wouldn't let me hug him or carry him. It took a while. It took a little over a year for him to really trust me and allow me to hug him. And I remember the first time I was able to do that and I hugged him and I felt his heart beat against mine. It was like the first time I had a real hug. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always had, um, you know, when if you don't... <laughs> When you have nobody else, right? Like, at least you have Benji. You have Benji. Yeah. And, you know, I live alone, and I literally had no one. There were so many nights where I couldn't sleep. You know, I just felt very lonely. Yeah. Didn't want to live. Yeah, of course. And all I had was Ziggy. Yeah. And just, like, holding him or touching him or hugging him, you know, definitely is one of the reasons why I'm alive today. Yeah. Dogs are, are good for that. I can actually relate to that in, in, in a sense, even though Benji was always here. My dog, Quentin, I went through a divorce prior to Bianca. He was still with me after Bianca passed. He's a little 10-pounder, and uh, man, that dog just holding him tight and, and hugging him and, and sleeping with him in my little nook in my armpit just felt good. <laughs> Most indulgent for me is definitely shopping. I won't name names, but one of my best and oldest friends, <clears throat> Anna, <laughs> We went to Miami and we went shopping. I think I probably dropped about 10 grand that day. Whoa. <laughs> Definitely very indulgent. I mean, being in Miami and you put me in a Chanel store, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Game over. Yeah, I'm not sure what would be my most indulgent. The only thing that comes to mind is late at night, Benji's asleep by yourself. I probably eat too much over snacking, you know? Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that it could be worse, right? (laughs) All right. You want to read the questions from Instagram? Yes. Time for Instagram. So this is from Ginny Marie 904. What was your first official date? Did you define it as a date or just to get together and then it happened to turn into a date? Do you want to start first and explain your take of that day, that evening? Yes. And then I'll explain it from my perspective. So I kind of touched on this before. I had a lot of interest in in Heidi at, at this time. She had just gotten a new job. So I took it upon myself to ask her if she'd like to go out to eat, knowing full well that it was a way for me to have have some private time with her but I didn't want to classify it as a date because I didn't want it to be awkward and you know we were buddies so why not 
So she was all for it. And, you know, I'd say by the end of the night, it certainly turned into a date as we had our first kiss and, uh, and, and things skyrocketed after that. But certainly it didn't have to end like that. I was happy it did, but I, I certainly just wanted to spend time with her and, and see what was going to happen from there. Yeah, so I guess that was our first date, right? When we went to um, to Edgewater. Mm-hmm. So you had asked me out, and I really thought you just wanted to spend time. You know, I yeah, I questioned the fact that it was just you and me because I remember you were asking me, and you said because I had just started my job, and you're like, you know, let's go 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 for some celebratory drinks, and I'm like, okay, let me let me invite so and so from our widow group, and you're like, no, I just want some Heidi. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it definitely did not start out as a date. Did I think maybe it was a date? Probably. <laughs> I'm not that stupid. Um, I am very dense, though. Like, I I never know or I never think that guys like me. So I'm, I'm really dumb that way. I mean, I went to an all-girl Catholic school for many years in the Philippines. So I don't, I wasn't really that used to being around boys. Um, so yes, it started out as two friends. Yeah. Right? Two widowed friends going out for drinks in celebration of my new job. And later that evening, I guess it turned into a date. Yep. I think we're both a little bit dense in that sense. Well, that rhymed. <laughs> You know, we're both the opposite of narcissists. I think that we are very humble. So I never really think, oh, yeah, of course this person is attracted to me and thinks I'm great. I never assume that. I always think the opposite, that I'm just some average dude. You know, I know deep down that I have a lot of good qualities and redeeming and all that stuff. But, (laughs) you know, as I mentioned before, I never really thought that you had interest in me. No, I definitely thought you were cute. (laughs) But I never would have pursued you. I don't pursue guys. But anyway, next question. Yes, from Taisha Scott. What are the challenges of dating and working together? I'll speak on this first. I would just say that it's Heidi, you're a type A personality. You've been Who really, me? What? Yeah. You've been <laughs> you've been really intense about this podcast, as you should be. You know, it's it's natural when you're trying to do something together. You're trying to be creative and innovative and come up with something and make it right and it's gonna be something for public consumption that you want it to be great. And uh, it's important to make sure that, you know, you don't carry that over into personal life. So we have to make sure that we're not, when we're working together, that we don't piss each other off too much so that when it's time to turn off the, the, the microphones, that we're not still mad at each other over it. And that hasn't happened yet, and hopefully it won't. But that's certainly, I would say, the biggest challenge in my head uh, to make sure that that doesn't happen and that we have time. We make time for each other because, as I mentioned before, I'm so busy and now we're adding this extra layer of busyness <laughs> to our lives and we can do it. I know we can, but we have to still make time for us, for for me, you and Benji and, and obviously time for, for just me and you. Now, I agree on several things that you said. So for sure, I'm type A. I'm very OCD about certain things. I'm a perfectionist. I'm my mother's daughter, after all. God bless her soul. She always used to say, if you're going to do something, do it right. In other words, don't do it half-assed. And, you know, if you're going to attach your name to something, make sure it's something that you're proud of, right? So this podcast, as you've seen, I've been putting a lot of hours into it. And I I went into it and I approached you about it, knowing that you do have a very limited amount of time. And I was okay with that, right? I'm okay with putting in, you know, more hours. That was that was an unspoken agreement. In terms of challenges, yeah, I for sure, from your perspective, working with me, and I did warn you. Did I not warn you? Yeah. <laughs> I told you I get very intense. And my friends and, you know, certainly Arnell can can confirm that. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I think you've seen it anyway. Yeah. And the other thing, I agree that because you and I work full time, we have a very limited amount of free time. And then plus Benji. I mean, obviously, Benji is number one. You know, I tell you all the time, like, go spend time with Benji while I work on the podcast because I don't want to infringe on your Benji time, yours or our time with Benji. Okay. From I Love Celine B. Do you get jealous when your significant other mentions his deceased partner? I'll answer this one because I think I know Celine. So shout out to Celine, (laughs) Bay Area girl. So Celine, if it's okay with you, I'll share a little bit of background. So we met on, quote unquote, met on Instagram. She's also Filipino. Um, She's not a widowed person. So I think this question um, is relevant, right? Because we we want our reach to extend to the non-widowed community. Um, So for widowed folks, I can't say everyone, not all widowed people are this way, but I think for the most part, we have this unspoken agreement and we understand, you know, one of the things I love about you and a relationship is how open we are and how we encourage each other to keep the memories of Arnell and Bianca alive. And especially with Benji. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, to me, like, you know, when you're at work and I'm with him and I talk to him about Bianca all the time, I always mention her. You know, mommy in heaven is what I call her, mama in heaven. Sometimes he just calls her mama and, you know, you know, he calls me mama. So I get confused. I'm like, wait, which mama are you talking about? But absolutely not. From my end, I do not get jealous. I actually encourage Dave, you know, from the very beginning, I've always encouraged him to talk to me about Bianca, keep talking to Benji about Bianca, which he's always done, which, again, is one of the things I love about him, about you, Dave. So, no, I don't get jealous. Yeah, same here. And for me, you know, there is no Benji on your side, but several things here. I I went into this again. I knew you for two years. I knew what what Arnell is to you. So to try and take that away somehow would be ridiculous. And I I shouldn't be with you if I was going to try to do that. Arnell is a huge, huge part of your life and always will be. So I should embrace that. I am a jealous person. I'm not going to lie. I am not, not, not horribly, (laughs) but I I definitely am jealous. And I, I, I have jealous feelings towards some of your exes. Absolutely. But for some reason, when Arnell comes up, it doesn't make me jealous. It's not because he's not around and there's not a threat or anything like that. It's just because I accept his energy. I accept your life together. I lost my person. You lost your person. Why would I fight that? I embrace it. I embrace his spirit. I feel that he supports us. I know what kind of person I am. I know how I feel about you and I know how I treat you. And I know that he would approve. He wants you to be happy. He doesn't want you to be miserable. And I know I'm going to make you happy. And I know that he's he's there. He's got my back. And I think same on your end. I think that Bianca 100% supports you being with me. They're not up there being jealous either. So, no. you know, we don't have to have to worry about that. So, not at all. I think, yeah. I think if anything, Arnell brought you to me. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read the next question. Instagram question that came from Alexa, who may or may not be my niece. <laughs> <laughs> We received four questions from her. Oh, boy. Yeah. What made you decide to do a podcast, and what are some of the topics you're excited to talk about? That's one. Two, besides the obvious, what was the first thing you bonded over? Three, who is your favorite niece? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely my niece. Four, who sets up the jokes, and who gets to say the (laughs) punchlines? You go first. Okay, so what made you decide to do a podcast? I think we kind of hit on this already. But we covered that. Yeah, just wanted to do something something awesome together, wanted to help people, wanted to help widows, 
wanted to showcase Amazing Widows, etc. Some of the topics we're excited to talk about, I, I mean, it's limitless. I'm, I'm really excited to just feature Amazing Widows and show how powerful and, and how uplifting a, a widow can be. You know, we're not all just crawled up in the fetal position in our beds, you know, pining over our, our lost loved one. We always will remember them and love them and have them, but you embrace that memory and you power through it and you live. You have to live, right? That's what life is, is living. So yeah, we've covered the why earlier and what are some topics I'm excited to talk about Yeah, there are a few. We actually just recorded, we just finished recording and editing episode two. So that one was about community. And we featured one of my widow tribes, one of my groups that I connect with virtually um, pretty much on a daily basis. There's a lot of topics, but the ones centered around community and love and support and more importantly, hope. Those are the ones that I'm excited about. Some of the topics that are centered on healing through passions, right? Whether it's something that the widowed person has had before or maybe discovered post-loss. I'm excited to talk to those folks. And then I'm always concerned about identity, gender, and politics. So there's an episode that we're building around grief and how our identity, our culture, our ethnicity affects that, you know, how those things affect the way we grieve or maybe not grieve. I'm excited to talk about that one. Good answer. Well, thank you, Dave. Besides the obvious, what was the first thing you bonded over? What's the obvious? That we're both widowed. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was your good looks. <laughs> <laughs> good joke. Uh, what's the first thing we bonded over? I mean, uh, my- I think we can answer together. Three, two, one. Benji? Biking. Ben- biking. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Forgot about that. Okay, let's do it again. Yeah. Three, two, one. Biking. biking. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's the the first time that we really got to know each other intimately. Mm-hmm. You had a uh, well. You can explain it. Yeah. So in 2019, I organized this memorial bike ride for Arnell. That was his fifth death anniversary. And I guess it coincided with, it was, I think, right after the week after his death anniversary. And I wanted to do something here. I did go to San Francisco for that because that was pre-COVID. But I wanted to do something in New Jersey with my family and my WID tribe here in New York and New Jersey. So we went up to Poughkeepsie, remember? Yeah. So it was bike over the Hudson or something. Yeah. So we did this bike ride, you know, a few folks and I was so grateful and so happy to see several folks from our local widow group. Shout out to Jessica and Melanie and you, you came over. And of course, my family too, my brother, Alan, my sister-in-law, Joan, they came. So I was very grateful. And at some point, you know, it just ended up being the two of us biking together. Right. Right. And that was really the first one on one time we had because we were always together in a group setting. It was always one of our local meetups or events. Honestly, I think I told you this. I was getting a little nervous because when we said, "Okay, Jessica's going to hang back because of her daughter. And you were like, "Okay, let's let's keep going. I'm like, what? Yeah. I remember being like, wait a minute, how did this end up just being me and Heidi? But uh, it was great. You know, we had we had a great conversations. We literally just sat there. We were just talking while we were biking the whole time. We talked about Arnell and Bianca a lot. I remember definitely, yes. definitely rattling on about Bianca for a while. And, I uh, think that was the first time you told me her name was Bianca. If you had told possible. me before, it just for some reason, I don't remember. Yeah. And it was during that bike ride, the 2019 bike ride for Arnell, 
that I guess it stuck. And I was, and I told you, I'm like, wait, my sister's name is Bianca. Right. Yeah. And then fast forward May 2020 during COVID, which was just uh, two weeks before our little quote unquote date, we went on a bike ride then. And that was kind of our first meet up in this era, I guess, of our relationship. So, you know, biking has been a big part of, of what we do. All right. Who is my favorite niece? My favorite niece is no one because <laughs> you're all my favorites. Okay, Brie. <laughs> my favorite niece is Steffi. Shout out to Steffi. <laughs> he only has one biological niece. That's not fair. <laughs> okay, who sets up the jokes and who gets to say the punchline? That's a good question. I'm not really sure, but I, I think I'm more of the punchline type. I think we tend to tell our own jokes and then laugh at our own jokes, honestly. Pretty much. <laughs> okay, this is from Diane Ingram from. Hello, Heidi and Dave. My readers and group members are always asking about how to discipline kids and teens who have lost parents. Do you both bring kids into the relationship? And if so, do you each take the discipline lead with your own children? What is one tip you can pass along when you are struggling with what you perceive as your partner's lack of boundary setting with his or her own kids? Thanks. Well, this is going to be a question for Heidi, I guess. As you know, I have a child. Uh, Heidi does not. So maybe you can speak on this. It's a really good question. It's very complicated. So, you know, as I responded to you on Instagram, Diane, I said, we're definitely going to share our perspective on this, but there is no one size fits all solution or paradigm when it comes to raising children and even more so when it comes to grieving kids and grieving parents. Since Dave said, and you all know, I don't have children of my own. Benji is the closest that I will ever come to, to having my own kids. For now, because I'm the girlfriend I let you take the lead. I actually, I do discipline him, but not the way I disciplined my nephews and nieces. So just a little background. Arnell and I never had children, but I do have nine biological nephews and nieces from my siblings, and then an additional three um, from a blended family with one of my brothers. And for sure, I'm a disciplinarian just like my mom, and I have no problem, and I think they still love me despite that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, I'm their favorite aunt, so... <laughs> So yeah, so in terms of Benji and disciplining him, I do discipline him to a certain degree, but not certainly not the way I've disciplined my nephews and nieces, my babies, I call them my babies. I definitely defer to Dave, you know, I talk to Dave at the end of the day, usually and tell him what happened if there's any issues. And usually there aren't really. And you know, Dave just says, you just say you'll talk to him about whatever that issue is. Yes. And I mean, I think that we do maybe have somewhat different parental styles a little bit. I think based on the way you've described Bianca, she and I actually have very similar parenting styles. Yes. And I've tried to mold my parenting style after her because I really felt that she was quite an amazing parent in that she was extremely strict and a disciplinarian, but she was so fun and so down to earth and such a kid herself. And I I really take a lot out of that. And I think it's in my nature to be a little bit more easygoing, but I learned from her to make sure that I put my foot down when I need to. But still, you've called me out once or twice when I was being a little too easy on him because I am by myself. And sometimes it's good to have a reminder like, hey, you should probably do this. It's always good to bounce ideas off each other. I'm not that full of myself that I think I know everything. I think that we've had some good dialogue about it. You've put in your input very respectfully and we've moved forward from there. And I think we've been fine with it since. Yeah. So to the question, what is one tip you can pass along when you're struggling with what you perceive as your partner's lack of boundary setting with his or own kids? Yeah. I mean, I really honestly, I have to respect that parents, your partner's choice in the way he or she parents his kids. Do you agree? I do agree to some aspect, except that you have a relationship with him as well, and you're alone with him a lot, especially now, you working from home. 
and he needs to there needs to be obviously no issues there he needs to respect you and not step over lines even if it's a line that i let him step over if you're not comfortable with it that's a discussion that needs to be had so there's a, there's a lot to that it's a very complicated complex it is but i think we've just been very fortunate that benji's such a great kid no he is he is i'm painting him out to <laughs> be easy. horrible but he's not no not at all yeah. not at all all right. Um, I think that's it for questions. So we just wanted to mention that we do have a Facebook page. Just search for Laugh at the Odds podcast with Heidi and Dave. And we have two community groups there, Facebook groups. One is a public group for the larger listener community. So this is for anyone who, you know, maybe listened to an episode or 10 and wanted to maybe interact with other listeners. And the other one is a private group. And we we decided to keep this private just to protect our widows in this group. So if you're listening to this and you don't have a community, you don't have a tribe, or you just, you know, you're, you're curious about this one. So if you have lost a partner or spouse and you're looking to connect with others who walk similar paths as you, again, we do have this private Facebook group for you. So if you're a widow, just comment on Facebook or even on Instagram and let us know that you want to join and I'll go ahead and invite you. Okay. Next up is the quote of the episode from Dave. To laugh often and much, to win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children, to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate the beauty, to find the best in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition, to know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is to have succeeded. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Nice quote. I love that. I use that in our Nelsie eulogy. Wow. All right. Thanks again for listening. This is episode 000, Who, What, and Why, our introductory episode. We hope you've enjoyed getting to know us a little better. If you have any other questions, feel free to comment on Instagram or Facebook. We're also on Pinterest and Twitter and pretty much all the social media platforms. Thank you. Bye. Take care. <laughs>